tax day from April 15th to July 15th so that people will have time and hopefully by that time we'll have people getting back to their lives. We're getting rid of interest and penalties. However, if you have refunds or credits you'd like to claim, you may still file. In other words, you can file early if you are owed money by the IRS. The Senate continues to wrestle over the economic relief package, and we'll bring you some of the particulars of that this hour, uh, the financial stuff, the economic stuff. But right now, let's concentrate on health with Dr. Dean Blumberg, Chief of Pediatric Diseases at UC Davis Children's Hospital. Dr. Blumberg has been more than generous with his time. Uh, doctor, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Good. I assume you're still healthy at this point? I hope so, yes. How concerned are you about uh, caregivers, doctors and nurses, and their vulnerability to this uh, horrendous disease? Well, we're all vulnerable just like everybody else is since nobody's ever had this novel infection before, so we have no immunity to it. Yeah, but I don't deal with sick people all day long either. Well, the sick people that we're dealing with, I don't deal with them right when they come through the front door. So hopefully by the time I see them, they're all screened and they're in appropriate isolation and we've got all the personal protective gear that we need to see them. So I feel very confident that when I'm seeing these patients face-to-face that that I'm protected. Have you been keeping an eye on the situation in New York, the numbers that have developed there, the number of cases and deaths, et cetera, and what do you make of it? Yeah, it's just going up logarithmically there. Um, it's going up logarithmically in the U.S. And so it's a, it's a scary situation. And this is what all these dramatic edicts, the, the shelter in place, stay at home, is, is meant to try to avoid these rapid increases in cases. I have in front of me a couple of extremely intelligent and well-reasoned pieces saying that the damage to the economy is not worth um, you know, the, the lives we're saving, it's not that bad. Uh, this, this is crazy. And they cite the, the Chinese statistics. How, how would you, in short, respond to those people? That's cold. That's just really cold, really. We're talking about people's lives here. We're talking about, uh, about the people, you know, family members and individuals losing their lives. And so I, 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 I just don't see it that way. I think we've um, taken these dramatic steps too late, and people need to realize that what's going on now reflects the infections that started occurring 10, 14 days ago. So it doesn't take into account all the, the shelter in place that have been put in since then. That's going to happen later, um, several days down the line. But you buy, I take it, the estimates that had we not really attempted to squeeze uh, down on society and separate ourselves the rest of it, you believe that it would be hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of deaths? Yeah, I do believe that. I believe there'd probably be um, one to two million deaths without these dramatic actions in the U.S., yes. Wow, that's amazing. Dr. Dean Blumberg, Chief of Pediatric Diseases at UC Davis Children's Hospital. Uh, I've heard lately that the some of the beliefs that we had, some of the information we'd gotten about younger victims might not be accurate. Specifically, I'm hearing about lung damage among uh, folks in their 20s and 30s. Have you, uh, have you read up on that? Are you familiar? familiar with that? Yeah, so the initial reports from um, China was really dramatic that it predominantly affected older adults, but we're finding out that young adults can have severe disease too, and we know that we've had deaths in young adults, so, so I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ignore that age group either. And uh, a quick question on practical matters. It, it I had heard uh, many times, dozens of times, how important it is to wash hands. And then I'd heard dozens of times for 20 seconds or more. It wasn't until yesterday or, or the day before that I heard it's because the coronavirus's protective shell, essentially, is a lipid. It's a fat, and it's dissolved 
by soap. Um, number one, I would encourage medical professionals to to tell everybody everywhere. That's why we're saying 20 seconds. Um, but hand sanitizers, how much good do they do? The hand sanitizers don't work quite as well as um, the soap and water. Soap and water is the best, but they work awfully well. And if you're like me, that, that you're washing your hands like 100 or more times a day, you know, my hands would not stand up to soap and water. So, so the hand sanitizer, I think, works very well. And I'm, I'm confident in using the hand sanitizer that it's protecting me and others. And uh, finally, what's the latest we hear on the question of airborne droplets versus uh, virus on surfaces? Um, how does that balance? Uh, how does that go? What do you think? So it's primarily transmitted um, through droplets, and so the droplets last about six feet. Um, these droplets can contaminate surfaces and the environment, and these surfaces are probably infectious for a few hours. So that probably plays some role in transmission. And then there are certain medical procedures, like um, putting somebody on a ventilator, intubating them, or doing a bronchoscopy, that can result in even more um, uh, infection-generating particles. So there's more attention being paid to um, decreasing risk of transmission from those procedures. And I realize this is asking you to make a guess, but what do you suppose is the minimum time that we have the severely restrictive uh, regulations in place in much of the country? Well, I would expect to have increasing number of cases over the next several weeks to months, um, and then maybe having a respite during the summer. But that's just a guess. Wow. Dr. Dean Blumberg of the UC Davis Children's Hospital. Uh, Doctor, we appreciate the time very much. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Yep. So, yeah, as I made reference to some of my favorite writers and skeptics and, and, and people that have been passed along by you, our alert listeners, have been making either a utilitarian argument that the economic devastation wrought by the clampdown will be so terrible that we as a species are better off just letting this thing run its course we're going to lose some folks and everything, but I mean, if you cause economic ruin to, uh, say, 150 million people in the United States, that that that's not a good trade-off for selling, saving, say, I don't know, a million lives, which is an interesting philosophical discussion. Um, I've found a lot of faulty reasoning in it, though, um, and they frequently, almost almost uh, unanimously, cite the Chinese statistics of uh, death and and survival and the rest of it and the fact that the uh, the peak of the the curve in China was fairly low and came fairly quickly and then more or less went away and they're ignoring a couple of facts number one the Chinese lie about everything reflexively if it sounds good for China cut that number in half if it sounds bad for China double it they always lie. Donald and, Trump don't trust China. No, and he shouldn't, sir. And and the second thing is, and it's astonishing because this was in the news for quite a number of days, including on the Armstrong and Getty show. It's astonishing to me that they would miss this. China cracked down in a way uh, on movement, on association, on on everything, and of uh, they wouldn't let people leave their home. They padlocked people in their homes. They welded apartment doors shut. They imprisoned 15 million people. I can't remember what the total number was. Um, the, the whole uh, province where this, this really got started, um, they imprisoned the tens of millions for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, a month. Um, and that's why 
the statistic you're citing to not have any restrictions were so low. So, I don't know. Maybe we ought to seek out one or two of these people and have a discussion about it. Not a cable news shouting match, because A, they're idiotic, and B, nobody learns anything. Um, but I would like to talk to some of these people and, and, and pick apart their reasoning a little bit. I'm looking at the stats out of New York, and they're unreliable, as we've said many times, um, because we're not having widespread randomized testing. Um, but uh, the number of cases is increasing logarithmically, as the doctor said. Um, let's see. Going from 10,000 cases to 15,000 in a day. Now, I get it. What's the numerator? What's the denominator? We don't know the totals. But the number of deaths uh, quintupled in a day. And if it keeps increasing in that way, the numbers will be truly nightmares. So, uh, but listen, uh, you know, I, I will finally say this on this topic. Those voices saying, look, remember the working people, the senators, whether they're trading stock on insider information or not, the media, the, 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 the Congress, the government officials, all of those people, almost every single one of them could have no income for two months and they'd be okay. They might have to, you know, start using their credit card or something like that, but they, they can be much more casual about the idea of not having any revenue, any income for two months, as opposed to working folks. Working class folks, service economy people, and small business owners for whom two months of no income could be disastrous. So the voices saying, whoa, 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 let's not be casual about this are absolutely necessary, which is another reason I'm not going to shut them down or call them idiots or, or fools or anything like that. I'm glad to have their voices on the scene. But according to everything I've seen and every serious health expert in every country, we will quickly be overwhelmed and see a horrific death toll if we don't do this stuff. So, as the president shouted at us in all caps via Twitter this morning, let's go hard at this for a couple of weeks, see what happens, and see where we are. One thing that will not help is a naked Madonna spouting nonsense at us, Cardi B spouting nonsense at us is at least entertaining. If you coronavirus! Coronavirus! If you haven't heard that yet, we'll have that for you. And a lot more good stuff on the Armstrong and Getty Show. because of our colleagues on the other side continuing to dicker when the country expects us to come together and address this problem. I have a question for the uh, the Armstrong and Getty crew. Was it suggested that I play that clip just because Mitch McConnell says dicker? 
Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. These are serious times. There's no time for that sort of childishness. <laughs> Can you use dicker in a sentence? Oh, people think I'm a dick, but Harry Reid was dicker. For instance. That's one way. They're continuing to wrangle in the Senate over the gigantic how many trillions of dollars we've lost track bailout. Um, and, and it's not clear exactly what's going to be passed. It will be tax relief. It will be small business relief. It will be average citizen relief. It will be giant corporate relief. And whether it's the right thing or not, oh, my God, I suppose we'll try to figure out down the road. I think we're joined on the phone. He's phoning it in, literally, the co-host, Jack Armstrong. Are you there? Really enjoyed the really enjoyed the coward of the county from Kenny Rogers, the late Kenny Rogers. I don't remember uh, how that one ended. Did he do something heroic at the end of that song? Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the, the 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 bad gang came and uh, it sounds like they raped his girlfriend Becky. Great Scott! Um, I didn't understand that as a kid, but then he comes and beats them all up, I guess, and then that's the coward of the county found his backbone in a time of crisis. Well, that's that's um, a lesson for us all. Kenny Rogers with Kim Carnes, Don't Fall in Love with the Dreamer. That's my favorite Kenny Rogers song in the terms of schmaltz. Oh. Uh, wow. So are you going to play Madonna in the bathtub or uh, Cardi B? Or you? Ladies and gentlemen, let's let's set the scene. Uh, the, the sex pot of 40 years ago, Madonna, <laughs> naked in a bathtub with her nether regions barely covered, the bathtub... Oddly milky looking and with rose petals floating on top is as my that's my bathing tradition as well. And uh, do you and, think she do you think she always bathes with rose petals? I kind of see her as being that sort of person. And videotaped, yes, as uh, new age music plays in the background. But she has an important and eloquent message for us all. That's the thing about COVID nineteen; it doesn't care about how rich you are, how famous you are. Humble brag. How funny you are. Not. How smart you are. Not very. Where you live. It kind of does about that. Yeah. How old you are. Again, kind of does. What amazing stories you can tell. Well, they don't understand the capacity for story. It's the great equalizer. Okay. It's an interesting point. What's terrible about it is what's great about it. Sorry, there's more. What's terrible about it is it's made us all equal in many ways. Like you said... And what's wonderful about it is that it's made us all equal. Uh, again with that. Ways. I hope she says equal again before it's over. Like I used to say, at the end of human nature, I mean, I, we're all in the same boat. Mm, same point the ship goes down. Yeah. We're all going down together. The ship in your bathtub. <laughs> Sink down between your about, silky thighs. Oh, my God. <laughs> do the 80s icons have to weigh in? Am I going to hear from Cindy Lauper in the shower or Carmen Electra on the toilet on this? Or? <laughs> I certainly hope so. She also, you know, I left out of the scene setting that she has the terrifying face of the oversurgeried. Her, yeah. her face is stretched tighter than a saran wrap on a ham. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Terrible look. Oh, she's. It really does look like E.T. is taking a rose petal bath. She's what it looks like. So scary looking. And woman, cover your boobs. <laughs> Who asked for that? Oh, I don't know. Uh, meanwhile, the great equalizer. Yes, yes. A point you made repeatedly. Meanwhile, 
a woman who is what Madonna wishes she still was, Cardi B, who's speaking a language with which I'm not familiar. <laughs> Government, let me tell you, I'm something. I don't know what the f- this coronavirus is about. I don't understand how that f- was from Wuhan, China. Now all of a sudden, this f- is on my f- tour. And let me tell you something. I ain't gonna front. A bitch is scared. I'm a little scared. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> got me panicking and a lot of you motherfuckers think it's a joke kiki, 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 like i was thinking right but that's right there just because you think you are mute to it guess what your pocket ain't bitch because a lot of because from motherfucking china bitch so if you wonder where your motherfucking weave or your fashion over motherfucking packages have arrived guess what bitch <laughs> coronavirus <laughs> coronavirus i'm telling you it's real it's getting real Woo! Bitch, I'm <laughs> there you go Hard to argue with. Uh, 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 who's with me? <laughs> <laughs> Coronavirus! Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Coronavirus! I heard a bunch of New Yorkers leaning out their window singing uh, the Bon Jovi chestnut Living on a Prayer, joining together in a moment of, of really weak pop unity, but whatever. <laughs> These are troubled times. Okay, what do we do now? Another lady comes around the corner. She says, I'm a delivery nurse. Can I help? And we was like, yes, please. Please help us. She had gloves in her pocket. She was ready to go. Crowd control, not like the best with blood. So that was my job is holding the holding the sheet and crowd control, making sure that nobody invaded what privacy the poor lady still had. They're the typical uh, fire department that shops in our store. So they were pretty proud of themselves. And then when they wheeled her out on the gurney, there were customers, of course, gathered. And she kind of raised her hand. Everyone clapped for us. You know, you know, feel good moment. Everybody's going through so much. And with a baby, it's like everything comes full circle. A woman giving birth in the toilet paper aisle of a Walmart. Ironically, in the toilet paper aisle. And just, for goodness sakes, just don't, don't you know. We finally find a store that's got it in stock. Yeah. And, and it's shut down for a birth. Hey, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> can I step over your newborn here? I've got to get some... Uh, you know, I was thinking about the toilet paper thing is we've gone from incredibly well stocked to, well, three weeks later. Um, and it's still an incredibly short supply for no good reason because the supply chain is, is perfectly intact and you can get more if you, well, if people weren't overbuying, there would be plenty of it if people just bought in the regular amounts. And uh, here's the conundrum that you get in a situation like this to hoard toilet paper from the beginning was irrational. But if enough people around you are acting irrationally, what is the rational thing to do? Buy up toilet paper just so you have one. The cra- So now the not crazy people are joining with the crazy people in buying out stock of all this stuff we need. The, the, the uh, bathrooms at work here. There's nobody working in the building, I mean, compared to normal times. I, I, you know, building what? I don't know. We don't occupy the whole building, but I would, I would say it's down by at least 60, 75%, right? Judging by the parking lot, that's a minimum. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's probably down to about 20% of the normal. There's no toilet paper now. It's gone. It's just gone. So somebody came in here and looted it. As if, you know, if you stuff enough toilet paper up your nose, you can prevent the corona. Well, you probably could, honestly, but, um, unless you touch your eyes. So stuff it in your eyes, too. 
But anyway, so for goodness sakes, and I'll just tell you this. The big makers of, of, of the toilet paper are assuring us our factories are fine. Our supply chains are fine. Our truckers are fine. We're getting the toilet paper out to you. There's going to be plenty to, to take care of your hiney. Just quit overbuying. But, you know, I don't know. People get panicked. They, they, they do crazy stuff. And that's why we need the calming words of our, our, our highest echelon of celebrities. It's the great equalizer. There you have it. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> so I'm reading this article uh, by uh, Ted Anthony in, uh, I can't remember where this was. I like to give credit when people do good work, but uh, Ted Anthony with a an article that's a, a little in love with itself, uh, but uh, some, of the, some of the writing is quite good, and I like this part. Uh, he's talking about the change in the United States, and he goes through uh, some of the specifics, um, some of the things uh, we've stopped doing and stopped going to and the rest of it. Now it's all a little chaotic and anxiety-provoking and the rest of it. But I thought this was interesting and a little poetic. Change came in unmeasurable ways, too, and those are harder to capture. Yet they're just as real, and their stories are contained in the people who stayed home and didn't do what they usually do. Change came in drunken drivers who didn't crash, in shots that weren't fired and bullets that didn't pierce flesh and organs, in first kisses that didn't happen, in skies that weren't as polluted, in trips of a lifetime that weren't taken, in inspirations that didn't strike, conversations that didn't take place, photographs that weren't snapped, videos that weren't made, maybe most of all in dollars that weren't able to be earned and lives that weren't able to be saved. If you, like me, are a bit of a sci-fi geek, and whether you've chuckled at the uh, the Simpsons episode on this topic or, or have watched movies that tried to take it a little more seriously, if you change, you know, if you step on an ant a million years ago, it could change everything. Well, granted, that's a bit of a stretch. But if you were to do this across the globe for a few weeks to a few months, the amount of change this will cause is incomprehensible and unknowable, by the way, so don't, don't drive yourself crazy. But just the, the, the alteration in the trajectory of so many lives and what concerns me mostly as a citizen of the United States is I'm concerned about the change in trajectory of governance and finance. In the wake of 9-11, for instance, we created the bloated, ineffective, and according to a lot of people who deal with it all the time, probably unnecessary Department of Homeland Security. Not that there weren't problems solved by the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, but anytime anybody suggests, hey, let's create a gigantic new bureaucracy, I think we can all agree. We ought to shout, whoa, 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 hang on now, hang on now. What's your plan B? I'm a little concerned that this go-round is going to create a gigantic new uh, government involvement of in our lives and in 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 redistribution of income and the rest of it in a way that's absolutely going to choke off the things that make this country a great and b incredibly wealthy and never forget that the poor in the the poor in America are rich by any global standard 
And the only reason we all don't know that and walk around repeating it is that, you know, there are political political interests who are utterly dedicated to convincing you you're miserable. It's the only way they can get your vote. Um, how can you sell fundamental change if a situation is great? You can't. And so you, you, you cook up this narrative that is absolutely terrible. And, you know, I'm an optimist. I'm a grumpy, skeptical optimist. And so I hope that more good will come of this than bad. Um, but, but I kind of doubt it. But, you know, for what it's worth, we'll keep hammering on, on doing the good stuff and not doing the bad stuff on the show. And we'd appreciate your support and, you know, whatever way you can offer it, hammer your congressman, whatever. But there is an opportunity for some good. For instance, the whole testing kit thing. One of the best, smartest, ultimately wrong, but smart arguments that this is all an overreaction is pointing to the fact that what South Korea has done has been really effective, and that's everybody who gets this thing or seems to have gotten it, they get tested, then everybody they know gets tested, the people living on the same floor of their apartment building gets tested, and anybody who's positive gets isolated. Just widespread testing and isolation, aggressive, you know, quarantining of the people who we really need to quarantine. And and it's a really good argument, and South Korea has done an amazing job at this, but it's because they had millions of tests. The U.S. didn't. And you're hearing on CNN and MSNBC all sorts of crap about it's it's Trump's fault, because, of course, Trump personally runs the, the CDC. Um, but there's an absolutely fantastic piece in the, piece in the dispatch. Alex Stapp wrote, 3,000 words on this, and we're going to hit this a little more thoroughly tomorrow, but I wanted to give you a taste of it. The president, when he was addressing the media alongside the Corona Task Force back on Thursday, said that he would, and I quote, slash red tape like nobody's ever done it before to get approval for coronavirus treatments. And, uh, and Alec makes the point that that would be a welcome development indeed. What's unfortunate is there was no similar push at the beginning of the crisis to expedite coronavirus testing. The U.S. response to the pandemic has been hampered at every level due to insufficient testing capacity. And what's really interesting is the president's being hammered right now by the New York Times and CNN and MSNBC for not exercising his dictatorial powers enough. The new Hitler. How many times did you hear that? He uh, appears to want a third term. He's going to, he has dictatorial impulses. He he's clearly wants to eliminate the idea of a democracy and to take control. Now he's being yelled at for not doing that enough, which is just a hilarious irony. But Alec, uh, in his article, points out that the problem was we followed the rules. First coronavirus in the U.S. and South Korea detected January 21. Since then, South Korea has effectively uh, quarantined tens of millions, uh, more tests than you can believe, et cetera, et cetera, what we were describing before. Unfortunately, the U.S. has not made testing widely available, and now various regions are being forced to impose severe economic social lockdowns because we don't know who got it and who don't. Under ordinary circumstances, the cost of using an imperfect diagnostic test often outweighs the benefit. And so all the strict regulations we had, we lost six weeks because regulators stuck to strict, rigid regulations instead of adapting as new information came in, came, I'm sorry, came in and, and saying, whoa, 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 all these normal safeguards, we don't have time. We couldn't do that because we're so heavily regulated. 
And he points out, normally that's fine, it's smart, it's prudent, even though it was a little over the top, he gets the reasoning. But when public health officials need to contain a novel and highly contagious disease, speed matters more than perfection. The lessons from this debacle are clear. The FDA needs to have plans in place prior to a pandemic for public labs and private companies to produce their own test kits. A distributed strategy would be much more resilient to errors in contrast to the single point of failure Created by the FDA in this crisis, poor planning and mindless adherence to peacetime regulations led to this abysmal result. So, and and again, we're going to do more on this tomorrow. But the long and short of it is, we in this country fall in love with safety and and as we often put it around here, a utopia. This utopian ideal of nothing bad ever happens to anybody and, and, and everything's safe. No kids slip and fall and skin their knees in the playgrounds. We're going to keep you safe. We're going to make you into little veal calves. You're going to be kept so safe. We need to, at the very least, have emergency plans available that, look, in a cataclysm, the CDC doesn't spend six weeks farting around following peacetime regulations and instead can say double emergency, which is what we're doing right now. And if you watch 60 Minutes last night, you see these tech companies that are just champing at the bit. They're just they're like hungry pit bulls just snapping at a chance to make technology work for us and being the first with the cure and saving people. I mean, the ingenuity that's being unleashed right now is just awe-inspiring. It's fabulous. It's what makes this country great. But I think this has been a great example of how our utopian desire for perfect safety fails us in an emergency. And I'm hoping we learn that lesson, and at least that is one silver lining to this ridiculous, expensive, nasty cloud. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Millions of people are going to lose their jobs, and that's what's so scary about this. Are we in a recession? If we're not right now, we will be soon. My basic case scenario is we will at least have a mild recession like after 9-11. The worst case would be we'd have a deep recession like the 2008 financial crisis. We just don't know right now. That is Neil Kashkari, who, among other things, uh, other things, uh, ran for governor of California, um, and was beaten by the ancient and syphilitic Jerry Brown, reflecting again the idiocy of the voters of the great state of California. Um, uh, that was unnecessarily bitter and uh, and cynical. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Uh, he, Upon further review, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a financial guy, smart guy, a fellow uh, graduate uh, graduate of the uh, University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I have a feeling his grades were better than mine, <laughs> uh, and he also um, uh, was uh, one of the head guys in the economic recovery after the debacle in uh, you know you remember oh seven oh eight that whole thing. Um, he was on 60 Minutes last night, and he was talking about the uh, the possibility of economic damage and bounce back in the wake of the coronavirus mess. Um, let's go ahead and roll on with some of his thoughts. Clip number 33, please. Nobody knows how the virus is going to progress, how many Americans are going to get it, how effective is social distancing going to be, how long will it take the healthcare system to catch up. 
nationwide last week there were almost 300,000 people filing first claims for unemployment benefits. It could be five times that amount next week, maybe more. Where is the bottom? If this is a three-month shutdown, we'll find the bottom pretty soon. If this is a year-long shutdown, this could be very damaging to the U.S. economy and most importantly to the American people. Don't worry, there's more good news to come. 34, please. Will the Federal Reserve ensure that banks have all the cash they need to satisfy whatever withdrawals may be coming? Yes. This is the fundamental reason the Federal Reserve exists. We call it lender of last resort. This is literally why central banks exist. If everybody gets scared at the same time and they demand their money back, that's why the Federal Reserve is here, is to make sure that there's liquidity, that there's money to meet those demands. We will absolutely meet those demands. Hey, let's leap to number 37, please. What did we learn from 2008 when you were in the Treasury Department, and how is that being applied today? There are two big mistakes when I look back at 2008 that we made that I think are relevant today. Number one, we were always too slow and too timid in responding to the crisis. The reason is we didn't know how bad it was going to get, and we didn't want to overreact. And it turned out it got really, really bad, and the right answer should have been overreacting to try to avoid the devastating recession that we ended up happening. So today, whether it's healthcare policymakers, fiscal policymakers, which means Congress or the Federal Reserve, we should all be erring on the side of overreacting to try to avoid the worst economic outcomes. Just promise me you cut some government bloat after this so we don't keep running up the debt. Uh, clip 38. When America gets back to work, how long does it take to recover from this? You know, the economy can bounce back fairly quickly. It's the workers that take time. I mean, that's the one of the other lessons from 2008. It took more than 10 years to America fully back to work relative to where they were before the crisis. 10 years. And so that's what we have to try to avoid, having these mass layoffs. We, we can't have another 10-year recovery. And then, Michael, one more. We're going to do 41. Are you optimistic or pessimistic? Overall, I'm optimistic. Having been through the, having been at the front line of the 2008 financial crisis, and I saw how devastating that was, we did get through it. It was very painful for millions of Americans. We did get through it. We will get through this crisis. There you go. We'll be on the back end of this one day saying, man, wasn't that crazy? This too shall pass, my friends. Just Final thoughts with A-N-G. Yeah! Thank you, my adamant friend. <laughs> All right, why don't we, I'll, I'll make that next thought, my final thought. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, pressing the buttons in the control room. He keeps us on the air. He plays that music. Uh, Michael, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, just support your local small business. Get food to go and tip heavily if you can. A lot of the businesses only have like two employees doing everything. Yeah, if you can afford it, uh, uh, buy gift certificates, buy your band's merch, that sort of thing. Help them uh, hit their payroll this month. Positive Sean, our producer. Final thought? Yeah, it's rare when there's actually appointment television, but Better Call Saul is that for me. New episode coming out tonight. Ah, uh, yeah, and Ozark is coming back, oh, uh, I think, really? at the end of the week, too, nice, for, nice. for fans of that. And uh, those of you who've been recommending Homeland for a couple of years and saying, i got to start watching that, you are right. Uh, oh, my final thought is uh, to echo Neil Kashkari, uh, my close friend when we were at school together. Um, we are going to be on the other side of this. We're all going to be all right, more or less. You know, keep your chin up, stay optimistic, be creative, and for goodness sakes, 
Don't lose your sense of humor. I was in a couple of different places yesterday because I had to be, including the airport. Nobody's smiling. Nobody's laughing. It is possible to take something seriously and relieve the stress with a few laughs. They do it in the cop shops. They do it in the emergency rooms. They do it in the foxholes. So we can do it during this period. It's okay to have some fun. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have what is probably the end of civilization, Madonna in her tub, plus the Cardi B speaking English, I'm told. Our podcasts and the rest, email us. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? What's your f***ing Armstrong and Getty.